the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The reason God gives you a Bible and the reason he warns us through the prophets over and over and over and over is because there are indeed dire consequences when you disobey God and you disobey God's word. And the reason he gives this to you is so that you won't have to suffer those consequences, so that you will follow the scriptures, honor God with your life. Stop just doing what you want to do. Read the Bible and do what God's Word has to say, and you won't have to suffer those real consequences down the road if you choose to disobey God's Word. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus, or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity, or is there really a God, and where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. How many of you know when you came to church today, you made the right decision? You made the right decision. Oh, yeah. Well, we have been preaching through the Bible in a chronological order. We're looking at the Bible as one continuous story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Last week, we looked at this truth where God sends messengers or prophets to warn the people because of the sinful ways that they were living. After 208 years of the people disobeying God, rejecting God's messengers, the northern kingdom comes to an end. It's a very, very sad story. Here's how it happens. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. Here's how this thing went down. Look at verse 5. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria, and laid siege to it for three years. And verse 6 reads, in the ninth year of Hosea, everyone say Hosea, because he, he is the king of Israel at this time. And in the ninth year of his reign, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. Skip down to verse 7. All of this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. Skip down to verse 13. The Lord had warned Israel and Judah 
through all the prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways, observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I have delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But verse 14 reads, they would not listen and they were as stiff-necked as their fathers who did not trust in the Lord their God. And so they rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their fathers and the warnings he had given them They followed worthless idols, and they themselves became, what's the word? Worthless. May God bless the reading of the words. You may be seated. It's the four most important things you need to know about this period. They were defeated. The northern kingdom was defeated by the Assyrians after 208 years of having chances to repent and rejecting all the prophets. And then finally, point two, They were carried off into exile. They're no longer in the land of promise. They became known as the lost tribes of Israel because we never hear from them again. There's a lot of things that they lost. The first thing they lost was their freedom. Do not forget in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 68, God had warned them before they ever got into the promised land. If you disobey me, I will send you back into slavery. He had warned them. And they disobeyed, and so God indeed sent them back into slavery. Second thing they lost was their value. It says that they followed worthless idols, and they themselves became worthless. What is that all about? Well, the reason God put you on this earth, the reason why you're here, God put you here that you might worship Him and give Him praise. If you think about it, we're just mortal man, but when we worship God, In a sense, we're elevated because we're involved in something extremely significant. We're a part of the grand creation doing what God has called us to do. But if instead of worshiping God, you worship a rock, or you worship a tree, or a little idol made out of wood, or out of silver, or maybe you worship a piece of paper with a dollar sign on it, that instead of being elevated to doing that which God's called you to do, in a sense, you're being demoted and you you almost become as worthless as the idol that you're worshiping that's what that verse says they followed worthless idols and they themselves became worthless the third thing they lost was their allegiance to the one true god they sinned so much their hearts became so calloused that they no longer even worshiped the one true god their allegiance were on false gods. I want to show you verse 16 and 17. It says that they forsook all the commands of the Lord their God. They made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole, and they bowed down to all the starry hosts, and they worshiped Baal. And then verse 17 is shocking. It says that they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the what? to the fire. I look at that and think, well, that's, that's terrible. And yet we do the same thing in America today when we abort our sons and our daughters. We're in the exact depraved state as Israel, as you read here. Look what it says. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters in the fire, and they practiced divination and sorcery. We got that going on in this country. And they sold themselves. We got that going on in this country to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. We got that going on in this country. Provoking him to what? 
to anger. So they no longer worship God. They worship all these other things. And number four, write this down. This is the worst. They actually lost the presence of God. And when you've lost the presence of God, ladies and gentlemen, you've lost everything. I want you to see what it says. Verse 18, it's in the Bible. It says, so the Lord was, it does not say he was angry. It says that he was very angry with Israel. And here it is. He removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. And verse 19, he's not even happy with Judah because he says, and even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Look at verse 20. Therefore the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and he gave them into the hands of plunderers until, here's the second time, until he thrust them from his presence. You see that? Now skip down to verse 22. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam, and they did not turn away from them until, here for the third time, until the Lord removed them from his presence, as he had warned through all his servants, the prophets, so the people of Israel were taken away from their homeland into exile in Assyria, and they are still there. What do you think Ahaz was thinking, and all the people down there in Judah were thinking, when they see their neighbors to the north being laid siege by Assyria for three years, being captured by the Assyrians, and then sent into exile back into Assyria, what do you think the kind folk down there in Judah, what do you think they were thinking? Just anyone with, with common sense would say, If the northern kingdom can fall, then the southern kingdom can fall. But ladies and gentlemen, we have what is known as an X factor. Point number three, his name is King Hezekiah. The story gets good with King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was probably the best king since David reigned 255 years earlier. He did several things. Number one, write this down. He led the nation to righteousness. Hezekiah, he removes all the idols from the land. He leads the nation back to repentance. He leads the nation to obey God. He leads Judah to righteousness. He repaired the temple because under King Ahaz, the temple had fallen in disrepair. And so the first thing that king hezekiah does is he repairs the temple and he reintroduces this thing called the priesthood where people can come and they begin once again to make sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people but the most important thing that king hezekiah did he began to lead the nation of judah back to worshiping yahweh the one true god he was a good king and he led the kingdom back to righteousness but there was still a problem because assyria is still up there in the northern territory and guess what they decide that they want to come down there and conquer judah and they actually come across the border and they start to capture a few towns and then the bible says they lay siege on the city of jerusalem with 185,000 soldiers of the assyrians and the second thing hezekiah does write this down he reminds the people of the one true god that we serve It almost sounds like Joshua. 
when Joshua took over for Moses, he says these words in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 7. I'll put them on the screen. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and that vast army that is with him. For there is a greater power that is with us than with him. And verse 8 says that with him, the king of Assyria, that 185,000 soldier, that vast army, he goes, all that is, that's just an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And when the king said these words, the Bible says that the people gained confidence from Hezekiah. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the one true God. The third thing that he does is he prays to the one true God. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 20, it says, now look at these words because it's very important that you see what the Bible says. It says that King Hezekiah, oh, oh, a political figure who's leading a nation to righteousness, and the prophet... And it says that the two of them, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, that they cried out in what? In prayer to heaven about this situation. Imagine, here it is, the king Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah down on their knees in prayer for the kingdom, asking God in regards to their situation. And that's why you've got to love this next verse that says... The Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and officials in the camp of the Assyrian king. And so he, the king of Assyria, withdrew to his own land in disgrace. End of story. There was no war. There was no battle because God delivered King Hezekiah and Judah that day. And so many of you here today, you have your own battle. Some of you are battling financially. You have physical battles and emotional battles and spiritual battles and relational problems, relational battles. And what you need to be reminded of, of this truth, is that you need to go to your knees in prayer and remember this day that the battle belongs to the Lord. And that leads us to point four, a very, 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 very important thing. Remember I said that King Hezekiah was praying, what was the name of that prophet? Isaiah. Write that down. That's point number four. Isaiah begins to minister to that kingdom in the south, the kingdom of Judah. Go to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. 66 chapters. It's a big book. It's a major prophet. And here's what the very first verse says. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah the son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, all kings of Judah. And then what you're going to see, God through the prophet Isaiah tells the nation of Judah, I'm going to sum up all 66 chapters for you. He tells them three things. 
The first thing that he tells them are these words. You're next. If God can take the northern kingdom, Israel, into exile because of sin, Judah, wake up. It can happen to you because of sin. Do not sit out there and think, well, that's Israel, and God did that to them, but he would never do that to us. Oh, yes, he will. And Isaiah was sent to tell the people of Judah and the people living in Jerusalem that if you do not repent of your sin, that as God carried Israel into exile, then God will indeed carry Judah into exile as well. And the reason is because God will not be mocked. You might get away with your sin for a little while, but there comes a time where God finally says, I've given you enough warning as a nation, and that's enough. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 5, and verse 20, it speaks of our country. Isaiah 5 verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Look at verse 22. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. Some of you are so proud of all the wine that you drink. You know everything about wine. The Bible says, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. You're champions at mixing drinks. Verse 23. Who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but deny justice to the innocent. Therefore, verse 24 says... As tongues of fire lick up straw, and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay, and their flowers blow away like dust, for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, verse 25, the Lord's anger burns against His people. His hand is raised, and He will strike them down. Now, whenever you read verses like that in the Bible, you hear a preacher, you go, man, that's awful negative. I want to ask you this question. Why does God send prophets to constantly warn the people? Why would he do that? The reason God gives you a Bible and the reason he warns us through the prophets over and over and over and over is because there are indeed dire consequences when you disobey God and you disobey God's word. And the reason he gives this to you is so that you won't have to suffer those consequences. So that you will follow the scriptures, honor God with your life, stop just doing what you want to do, read the Bible and do what God's word has to say, and you won't have to suffer those real and dire consequences of down the road if you choose to disobey God's word. Now, the second thing, he tells the people, you need to know that God is still on the throne, all right? And I'm not going to read it because of time, but you need to read Isaiah chapter 6 if you've never read it because God actually allows Isaiah to see God. And he writes out what he sees. Oh, it's powerful. He sees God high and lifted. He's exalted and he's sitting there on his throne. And the Bible says the train of his robe fills the entire temple. And that There are angels that are circling above and they're shouting out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah sees all this. And the question is, why would God allow Isaiah to see that? And why would Isaiah be sent to explain that to Judah? Well, it's easy. 
Judah is witnessing nations rise and fall. And it's easy to forget, and what he wants them to note, that even though nations rise and fall, you need to always be reminded that Almighty God is the one who's still on the throne, and he's the one who's ultimately in control of everything. And then the best part, the third thing that he says, is there's coming a new king. And that might not mean much to you because we don't live under rulership of a king here. But for people who've had king after king after king after king after king, some good, some bad, mostly bad, the message that Isaiah delivers is that there's coming a new king that will one day rule the world. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Think about the significance of this. They've lived through this period where the kings have come and gone. Most of Israel is dispersed. All that's left is a remnant. And Isaiah 7, verse 14, he just kind of drops it in there. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Go to chapter 9, verse 6. She just kind of puts it in there. But to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And later on, if you've never read it, Isaiah chapter 53, it's in living color where he depicts that this child will one day be a man and he will die on a cross and when he dies on that cross now think about this this is 700 years before it happens he's prophesying in color that one day he will die on a cross and when he dies he will be pierced for our sins and pierced for our transgressions that even in the midst of exile even in the midst of the most difficult times even in the midst of people who will not repent There's coming a day where God will provide a Messiah who will one day redeem people who put their faith and trust in him. Oh, it's a tremendous story. It's a tremendous period. And I hope if you do not know this king, that today you'll come and give your life to King Jesus. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55:11 reminds us that the preaching of God's word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. We know the enemy is always at work with his deliberate and calculated attacks against us. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. 
The greatest story ever told is more than just a cliche. God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That is what the story is all about. The story of the Bible, God's great love affair with humanity. Condensed into 31 accessible chapters, the story sweeps you into the unfolding progression of Bible characters and events from Genesis to Revelation. Using the New International Version, it allows the stories, poems, and teachings of the Bible to read like a novel. The story features a foreword by Max Lucado and Randy Frazee and tells the story of a true God who loves his children, who established for them a way of salvation. Each story in these 31 chapters reveals the God of grace, the God who speaks, the God who acts, the God who listens, the God whose love for his people culminated in his sacrifice of Jesus, his only son, to atone for the sins of humanity. The story, the Bible is one continuing story of God and his people, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order your copy of The Story directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. If you're looking for a resource that will help make the Bible easier for you to read, then this is the book for you. Get your copy of The Story. The Bible is one continuing story of God and His people today. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.